morning, Bridesburg. It is good to see you this morning. I hope you have had a great week. We've certainly had a wonderful weekend and opportunities to be able to minister to our community. And we are so excited to be able to come together for the purpose of worshiping our risen Savior this morning. And always a joy to be able to start our services uh, with the testimony of Believer's Baptism. And we have that again this morning uh, with Gavin Manley. And so, Gavin, if you'll come on down here. Bible school back in June, he accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and uh, last Sunday morning he made that public to us and uh, came forward at the end of the service and desires to uh, give that beautiful, beautiful testimony of believer's baptism this morning. And so Gavin, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, upon that profession of faith, under the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and under the authority of Brinesburg Baptist Church, I baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You're buried with Christ in baptism, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. We have much to celebrate this morning. Let's continue in worship together.
Amen. Good singing, church. What a wonderful day of worship we've already had, and it's just getting started. We're so glad that you're here this morning. For those that are joining us through television this morning, we want to welcome you today. Those of you joining us by Facebook Live, we want to welcome you. And there in the comment section, if you would, put your name. Let us know you're there. We'd love to know who's joining us in worship. And any prayer needs that you might have, you can list those there as well. And for those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We are so glad to have you with us today. And you'll notice there in the pew in front of you, uh, there is a card. If you'll take that card out and fill it out and place it in the offering plate on the big round table there in the foyer at the end of the service. We appreciate that. It helps us to know of your attendance. Uh, but more important to us, it helps us to know how we can pray for you and your family. And so glad that you have joined us in worship today. We thank you. Uh, so many of you that showed up on Friday night to help us with Friday Night Light. And uh, a lot of sister churches that were there to help as well. And it was a wonderful night, a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to minister to our community. And I, I want to thank you for uh, the hard work once again this year. After a two-year absence, thankful to be back and uh, able to be a part of that ministry once again. And it was a great night. Uh, in your bulletins, you see many items that uh, pertain to you and your family, I'm sure. I uh, want to remind you of the equip training on Tuesday. Uh, for those of you that signed up for that training, I need to give you a ticket if you're not going to be riding with us on Tuesday night. If you know you're going to have to come straight from work or you're just don't, uh, not going to be able to come to the church and meet the bus, make sure you get your tickets from me for the conference and uh, for the meal today. And then also, if you're going to be uh, going with us on the bus, we're going to have to leave uh, right at 5 o'clock. So make sure that you're here at the church uh, to leave at that time if you're wanting to go with us on the church bus. Also notice that our students, as well as our team kid, uh, will be over at Roger and Phyllis Stigler's home on Wednesday night for the big kickoff of our Wednesday night discipleship uh, university classes. And so that'll be from 7 to 8 over, or actually that'll be from uh, 6 to 8 over at the Stigler's home. And I uh, hope that you and your kids can be a part of that. Homecoming next uh, Sunday morning, we are hoping that you'll be plugged in uh, to all that's going to be going on. At 10 a.m., we'll be here in uh, the, the sanctuary, and uh, we'll be in, in concert on uh, 10 a.m., and then at 11 o'clock, we'll have our worship service, and then at 12 o'clock, of course, we'll move over and have the meal in the activity center. And then um, next Sunday night will be a Family Life Sunday with all the homecoming activities throughout the afternoon, so uh, we're, we're hoping that you'll spend some time with your family uh, during that time. But a wonderful day. I hope that you'll plug in and be a part of all that's going to be going on next Sunday. Also notice that our senior meal will be uh, this Tuesday, and uh, they're going to be heading out at 11 o'clock from the church, going to Cypress Springs uh, Restaurant there in Cowlick County, and so uh, leaving this Tuesday at 11 o'clock, and uh, you see other things that are pertaining to you and your family, make sure that you take note of those. This morning we have uh, many on our prayer list once again, and certainly want to pray for all of these physical needs, and we recognize um, that that's what many of these are. Um, but the greatest need of all we recognize is our spiritual needs. We have family members and we have friends, people we go to school with and work with that we know are lost. They don't yet have a relationship with Christ. And because of that, they are currently um, destined to spend an eternity in hell. And we want to have a gospel conversation. We want to see the spirit move in their heart and in their life, and we want to see them saved. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching on television or Facebook Live. And if you're honest, you'd have to admit that you don't yet have a relationship with Christ. Well, I want, I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you, and he loves you so much that he died on the cross to pay your sin debt, that he was buried in the grave, and he arose, defeating even death itself on that third day. And you can have a relationship with him, you can have your sins forgiven, but you must come to him by faith. 
and you must repent of those sins. And so th this morning, I pray that we would see salvation even in this place today. Let's continue to together in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. Lord, we don't deserve that love. There's nothing in and of our, ourselves that, that would merit that love, but you love us because of your great grace and mercy. And Lord, it was because of that that you went to the cross and died in our place. It's because of that that you were willing to take upon yourself all the sins of all the world. And Lord, we're so thankful that when you did that, you arose three days later in victory. And because of that, we can be saved. Lord, we're so thankful for Gavin this morning. Lord, that beautiful testimony of believer's baptism, of him explaining of what happened in his heart and in his life uh, that day at Vacation Bible School this summer when he recognized that he was a sinner and he asked you to come into his heart and in his life and, and to, to save him, to forgive him of his sins and, and to make him your child. Lord, there are some today that need to make that same decision. And so, Lord, I pray that even now, that, Lord, you're working on hearts. Lord, you're preparing them to respond to you by faith. And perhaps they're at home on, watching on television or on Facebook Live. And I pray that today they would recognize that you're speaking into their life. You're speaking to their heart. And you desire a relationship with them for your honor and glory. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
poured out the water, raised up the mountains. Imagine the heavens. I can't even fathom how good you are. How good you are. With one single motion, you wrote every bird song, composed my emotion. I can't even fathom how good you are. How good you are. Glorious, glorious God, wonderful maker. I'll sing with the stars and praise my creator. Oh, glorious, glorious God. Oh, glorious, glorious God. You poured out the water, raised up the mountains. Imagine the heavens. I can't even fathom how good you are, how good you are. With one single motion, you wrote every bird's song, composed my emotion. I can't even fathom how good you are, how good you are. Glorious, glorious God, wonderful maker. I'll sing with the stars and praise my creator. Oh, glorious, glorious God. Oh, glorious, glorious God. Oh. God is good. Oh, it is good. Lord, you are good. Glorious, glorious God, wonderful maker. I sing with the stars and praise my creator. Oh, glorious, glorious God. 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 Oh, glorious, glorious God.
Amen. Thank you, Brother Rockney. What a wonderful day of worship and excited about entering into God's Word together. If you will, turn with me this morning again to Matthew, the 19th chapter. Matthew chapter 19. And we're focusing on the subject of a word for children. And so last week we focused on adults. Last week we focused uh, quite a bit of our time on moms and dads. And so uh, kids, this week I want to focus on uh, Jesus' invitation to children. That, I want you to know that means all of us. Uh, but his invitation to children and the fact that Jesus loves children. And I praise the Lord that Brian's for Baptist Church is a church that loves and values children. Uh, we, we understand what they are, that they are the reward of the Lord. They are precious treasure that God has given to us. And uh, so, so thankful uh, that we had the opportunity to see Gavin make that beautiful testimony this morning and, and to recognize that God's doing that work in the lives of our kids. Uh, and he has been for quite some time that he continues to speak into their hearts and into their lives. And uh, this morning, I want us to recognize that he's speaking uh, to all of us. Maybe you haven't made a decision. Maybe you're a, a child. Maybe you're a youth and you haven't yet made that decision. You know Christ speaking to your heart. Maybe you're an adult and you recognize you haven't made that decision. Uh, I want you to know that this message is, is the Lord speaking to you. He, this is his love letter. This is his love invitation for you to come to him, uh, to have a personal relationship with him. And so uh, today I pray that we will have folks that will move from spiritual death to spiritual life and recognize the great love that Christ has for you as his child. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you do love us. Lord, we thank you that we can have a relationship with you where we can cry out to you and call you Abba, Father, Daddy. To have that kind of intimate relationship with you is, is an amazing thing. It's not something that we deserve, but it is because you love us and your grace allows that to take place. Because of the finished work that Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross of Calvary, we can come with a boldness. We can run to you and we can wrap our arms around you and know that you're there and you, you will wrap your arms around us. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you would speak to the hearts of children, youth, adults, senior adults, men, women, boys, girls, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and help them to recognize that if they will come to you with the faith of a child, that they can be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of salvation. I pray that we would see folks move from spiritual death to spiritual life and that you would do that greatest miracle of all in the lives of many today. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel. So, Lord, hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And let's look together at Matthew chapter 19. And let's look at verses 13 through 15. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of of heaven and he laid his hands on them and departed thence you may be seated Jesus has just finished up teaching about the very serious matter of marriage and divorce and as soon as that discussion is finished Jesus turns his attention here to these children that are being brought to him by their parents now it was Jewish tradition to bring small children 
to a great rabbi so that he could then pray for them and, and, and pray a blessing upon them. And it was also common for parents to take their children to the synagogue where each of the elders would, would take the child in their hands and pray over the life of that child, pray the blessings of the Lord upon that child. And it's much like what we do with our, our, our baby dedications where we pray and, and ask that the Lord would give these parents the ability to raise that child, uh, to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. Uh, the child's not saved at that point. It's just praying that the parents uh, would, would raise them to know the Lord. And that when that time comes, when they recognize that they need a relationship with Christ, that they would make that decision. And so that's much of what's going on here. However, it seems that these parents are severely rebuked by the Lord's disciples. Apparently, they felt like Jesus' time would be better spent with adults, that these children were wasting Jesus' time. But Jesus, in turn, rebukes them. He rebukes the attitude of his disciples in regards to these children. And he told his disciples in no uncertain terms that little children were precious to him, that of such was what the kingdom of God would be made up of of people with this kind of childlike faith. It's appropriate that Jesus should give us this teaching about little children just after he spoke about marriage relationships because the statement, and they twain shall be one flesh, is literally fulfilled when a married couple has a child together. When, when that marriage produces a child, that is the picture of what God is saying here. So let's face it, when it comes to children... Uh, there are some things that we have to be ready for. Children are noisy. Amen? I have three of them at my house. They require some special attention, don't they? Uh, if we're going to minister to children, it's going to take some special ministries. If we're going to minister to children, it's going to take some financial resources. If we're going to minister to children, it's going to take some manpower. Um, and let's just face it, children don't tithe very well, okay? They just don't. They don't have much money. But you know what? They're precious in the sight of the Lord. Children are not a curse to be endured. They are the great blessing and reward from the Lord. He tells us in Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. We are blessed as a church here at Brinesburg to be blessed with many, many children. God has blessed us as a church. And we need to recognize that. Not every church is blessed with a pew full of teenagers and, and, a, and a, a children's department full of kids and children's worship on a, on a Sunday morning. That is a blessing that God has given to us. And so this passage has something to say about children and about the Savior's invitation for them to come to him. And in case this morning you're like, well, I can check out and scroll through Facebook while the preacher's preaching, because I'm an adult, so this message isn't for me. This is a message for everyone, because what Jesus is saying here, his point here, is, is you will not be saved if you do not come to me with this same kind of childlike faith. This is speaking to all of us. If you've come this morning, and you're 8, or you're 88, or you're 108, and you do not yet have a relationship with Christ, he's speaking to you today. He wants you to know him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Each of us must come to him with that childlike faith. And so listen closely this morning to our Lord's words for children. A word for children, a word about responsibility. 
That's where we're going to start, a word about responsibility. This passage clearly reveals certain responsibilities that both parents and we as a church family have towards our children. And so let's consider those for a moment. First of all, we are responsible for evangelizing our children. This passage nowhere implies that Jesus was making some kind of blanket statement that these children were saved without consciously repenting of their sins and accepting him by faith. He was merely praying for them. He was pronouncing a blessing on their young lives. I said a moment again, in the same way that we would uh, dedicate our children. As soon as they're bored, we want to say, you know what, I want to pray for my child. I want to pray that I would be the kind of parent that would raise them to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. That's what's going on here. This shows us, though, that these parents care enough about the spiritual condition of these children to bring them to Jesus so that they might be blessed through his praying and his touch. And so from the earliest passages of the Bible, believers have been challenged to share the things of God with their children. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Uh, it's very clear that we are to teach our children at all times when we're walking, when we're sleeping, when we're eating. All of those are times when we're to be uh, sharing the Lord with our kids. And the New Testament renews that challenge in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Parents should do everything in their power to ensure that their children are exposed to the gospel at every opportunity and at every turn. That means bringing your children to church on a consistent basis, putting them in front of the gospel presentation of your church family. It means with our kids that we bring them to Sunday school. It means that we bring them uh, into worship uh, and children's worship times. It means that we bring them a team kid on Sunday night. It means we, on Sunday nights we bring them to Center Shot and, and Children in Action. It means that we allow them to be a part of, of kids camp and vacation Bible school and everything else that is offered here in, in, in what we do as a, as a family of faith here for our kids. And for those of you that have teenagers, for our youth, it means Sunday school and Ignite on Wednesday nights and Youth on Mission on Sunday nights and student camps and extreme winter conferences and, and everything that else that happens during a year here in the life of our student ministry. For, for, for Those are the opportunities where our kids have the gospel preached and they have the gospel laid out in front of them. It's where the Holy Spirit convicts them and, and they have opportunities to think about what it means to be saved. Give them the opportunities to do that. Don't have them out at everything else under the sun when they have opportunities to be under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. It means praying for them also, though, at home. It means opening up the Bible at home and teaching them yourself. Talking about things of, of faith, talking about Jesus is just a part of your everyday life. It means being open about your own faith, your successes and your struggles. It means being consistent in your own life as a believer. Children's ministry workers and youth workers should share the gospel with the young people of our church on a consistent basis. And I praise the Lord, we have great teachers, we have great workers. The gospel should be preached from this pulpit, and, and I hope that that's done on a consistent basis in a way that these young people can understand. But listen to me this morning. The primary responsibility still lies with mom and dad. The primary responsibility will still lie at home with your child coming to know Christ. 
We don't get them more than maybe three hours a week here. You have the most time with them. And so the greatest chance is that they're going to get saved at home because you've been praying with them. You've been talking with them. You've been spending time in the word with them. And so we have that responsibility, but we also have a responsibility for educating our children. By bringing their, their children to Jesus here, these parents were telling their children that they saw something special, something unique about Jesus that they hadn't seen in any other rabbi. They hadn't seen in any other teacher. There's something different about this man named Jesus. And so like those parents 2,000 years ago, Believers in our day have the responsibility of modeling our faith in Jesus so that the younger generation can see that he is worth knowing and that he is worth serving. And so if our faith does not change our lives, if it doesn't change our behaviors, if it doesn't change our speech and, and every other aspect of our life, if it doesn't cause us to be better, a better husband, a better wife, a better husband, uh, a better father, a better mother, then our children are going to pick up on that. They're going to see if we're no different than we were before. And so I can talk about my faith, but if I don't live out my faith before my wife, my children's mother, if I don't live out my faith in the way that, that I parent my kids, they're going to catch on to that, and they're going to see the hypocrisy in that. Kids are pretty quick. They, they're going to catch a phony pretty quick. And so live it out consistently on a daily basis. We're responsible for educating our children about the things of God. In Ephesians 6, 4, you'll remember that word nurture. And it means the whole training, the whole education process of our children. It's not Marshall County Public Schools' responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. It is our duty to bring them face-to-face -face with the saving Lord. And if we make much of Jesus in front of them, they will be far more likely to come to him at an early age and remain faithful to him as they mature. They've got to see that it's real in our lives first. But also we're responsible for encouraging our children. When these parents came to Jesus with their children, they were encouraging them to approach Jesus as well. Notice it, that, that wasn't an easy thing. I mean, you think about these 12 men that are around Jesus and they're trying to they're trying to push these kids away, but they're encouraging them. No, you go. You go to Jesus. They were encouraging them to get, get as close as they could to the Savior. Christian parents are told in Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That word admonition is the word of encouragement. We ought to encourage our children to seek the things of God. Teach your kids to pray at an early age. And that doesn't mean that their prayers are going to sound exactly like the preacher's prayers, their prayers are going to sound like a little kid. That's okay. Have them talk to Jesus the way that they would talk to, to somebody they know so personally that they're comfortable with them because that's who Jesus is. Make the Bible a big part of your daily life. Talk about the things of God and his word. Pray with them. Pray with your kids. Make it a regular daily occurrence that you are praying over your children. Bring them on Sunday mornings. Bring them on Sunday nights. Bring them on Wednesday nights. Involve them in church activities. Make sure that they're involved in the children's ministry. Make sure that they're involved in the student ministry. Make sure that they are going to camp. Make sure they're going on the retreats. Make sure they're coming to vacation Bible school. All of those are opportunities where you can encourage your child to be closer and closer to Jesus. Bring them to revival services. I can't say that enough. If you are praying for your child, if you're praying for your grandchild, 
and, and there's an opportunity to bring them to revival services, do whatever it is. Re- rearrange the schedule, whatever you need to do. But bring them to those times when you know the gospel is going to be shared and it's going to be directed at, at the lost. Make sure that they're there present in those times. Expose them to every opportunity to hear more about the Savior. One of the best things a mature believer can do for children is for them to be in love with Jesus Christ himself. For you to have such a personal relationship that it just kind of pours out of you at all times. When mature adults love Jesus with a sincere devotion, it encourages their children to love him in that same way. But secondly, there's a word about redemption. A word about redemption. While the text certainly highlights adult responsibility towards children's spiritual foundation, it also speaks here about the matter of salvation. And this morning, I want you to know that if you're lost, the Holy Spirit's speaking directly to you right now. It's not by accident you're here this morning. Listen closely. What this implies, and I'm talking to kids that may be in here this morning. The fact that children are invited to come to the Savior implies that even children need the Savior. That just because you're young does not mean that you can't die and go to hell. Every lost person, regardless of their age, will be separated from God in hell. And our kids need to understand that. Sometimes we want to tiptoe around that. But that's the truth. Most folks don't like to hear that. But it's the truth. Our kids have to understand that. That sinners who are unrepentant and do not have a relationship with Christ are separated from him for eternity. While children may possess a certain innocence, they still need to be saved once they come to that place of understanding. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. And that's why parents and other concerned adults must do everything in their power to bring their children face-to-face with Jesus as often as possible. It is not our duty to save our kids. We can't save our kids. The preacher can't save your kids as much as I'd love to just be able to pray, pray a blanket blessing and everybody be saved. I can't do that. But it is our responsibility to put them in places where the Holy Spirit's conviction can clearly be heard and felt. And that happens when they sit under the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word. It happens when you're talking about those things at home. When children hear the gospel preached and taught and lived out at home, they're far more likely to come to Jesus at an early age. And here's what Paul told Timothy about exposing children to the word of God in 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so, secondly, what does this involve? Notice what what it involves. Whenever a discussion of children and salvation comes up, people say, well, we we don't really need to talk to kids that are very young because many of them have not reached the age of accountability. I hate to tell you this. There's no such thing in the Bible as an age of accountability. Many people think there's this magic age, and for some reason, 12 is stamped on there. Where where kids, that's when you need to get saved and baptized and and join the church then. That's not biblical. When a child reaches an age where they understand, where, where they understand that they are lost, when they understand that they are a sinner too, when they understand that they don't yet have a relationship with Christ, and that begins to bother them that they don't yet have a relationship with Christ, that is an age of decision. That's what we we speak of here. 
that time, however young or however old that may be, but that point when they can understand they are lost and they do have sin in their life and that sin has to be dealt with. That is the age of decision. And that's when they need to make a decision. When a person reaches a level of mental understanding regarding the nature of sin, the consequences of sin, and can make a decision for or against Jesus Christ, they've reached the age of decision. And listen to me, I don't care how young or how old you may be, at that point, you need to make a decision for Christ. You don't need to put it off. You don't need to think I'm so young and I, and I, I won't die for another 80, 90 years. There's nothing to worry about. You don't know that. If the Lord's speaking to your heart, it means he's inviting you to come into a relationship with him. And you need to make that decision. So when is that age? Well, it's different for every child. I've got pastor friends of mine who got saved at seven, eight years old. Uh, I've got other friends that I know, you know, because of whatever circumstances it may have been. It was pretty clear that they weren't ready to make that decision until well into their teenage years. Um, you know, there's some people who, who, who come to that point at earlier ages. But uh, to all the young people in this room this morning, I just want to say to you, when you reach a place in your life, when you understand that you're a sinner, when you understand that if I were to die today, I don't have a relationship with Christ, and I understand that I would go to hell because of my sin. When you understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again from the dead to save you, you need to be saved. You need to stop putting it off. You need to stop making excuses that you're scared to go forward. You need to stop making excuses of, well, there's so many people watching. Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Uh, you come to him. Whatever it takes, bring a friend, bring a family member, but you come to him and have that conversation. You need to be saved. You might be young, but you're still responsible for your sins in the eyes of God when you begin to feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. It means you're, you're conscious of the decision that needs to be made. You need to make it. Parents, just because your children are young, don't assume that they don't need to be saved. Children are growing up pretty quick today. They're, they're exposed to so much today that many times they're growing up a whole lot quicker than, than our generation did. So tell them about Jesus from the day that they're born and watch them come to Christ at an early age because they understand the things of God in a way where they can make that decision. Let me just touch on something while we're here. When, a ch when younger children come in wanting to be baptized, I'm talking about you understand that they're too young. You understand that they don't understand everything. Don't dismiss that conversation, though, but use it as a time to talk about the things of Jesus, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Ask them what they understand about sin. Ask them what sin is. Ask them what it means to be a sinner. Ask them if they understand why Jesus died on the cross. What was that about? Why did Jesus have to do that? You, you have a good conversation with them. Don't put that off, but use it as an opportunity to explain the things of God to that child in a way that a child can understand. Praise the Lord that they're interested enough to want to ask those questions. And, and I believe that, you know, many times a child's not quite there yet. They don't quite understand everything yet. But I bet it won't be long if they're beginning to ask those questions. It won't be long before they do understand. And they will be ready to make that decision. When children come to you and talk about salvation, never put it off. Always sit down. Always respect that conversation. And let them know that they can always come to you and talk about those kind of things. When they're ready to receive Jesus, be careful to point them to him. Allow them to, to understand that this is a relationship that they have to have with Jesus. Not mom and dad, not grandma, not grandpa, not just the preacher, not the Sunday school teacher. 
but a relationship that they have to have with Jesus. And so if they want to have that relationship with Christ, then they need to be the one to ask him to come into their life. They need to be the one that confesses their sin and asks Jesus to come into their life. You might help them to understand the kinds of things that they might ask the Lord, that they might say to the Lord, but never put words into their mouth. Make sure they understand what's going on. Make sure they understand what it means to, to, to confess sin and to express their faith in the finished work of Christ, to ask the Lord to come into their life and to save them. But never, never, never tell them exactly what to say. Never say, repeat this prayer after me. Let them pray. If they're ready, if they understand what they're doing, then under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they're going to know what to say. They're going to know what to cry out to the Lord. Don't worry about that. So what about children who die before they reach that age of decision? What about that? What happens then? I think the Bible is very clear. I think it holds the answer for us. When David lost an infant son in 2 Samuel chapter 12, he was convinced that his son had gone to be with the Lord. He says in 2 Samuel 12, 23, But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What David was saying was, I know where my child is. I know, I know that he is with the Savior. I know, that, I know that he is with our Lord. And I can't bring him back, but when I die, I know that I will be united with him once again. Children and others who can't choose for themselves are safe in Jesus Christ uh, until that point when they understand. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto the eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The, the saving power, the atoning work of Jesus is applied to them. And so when they die in that safe condition before reaching an age where they understand what it means to sin, they are regenerated and taken to heaven. Parents who have lost children to death or miscarriage or, or stillbirth should never fear because their little children are with the Heavenly Father. And in those of us who have a relationship with Christ know that we will see them again one day. And that brings peace in very troubled hearts. So what this illustrates, this whole matter of children coming to Jesus was used by our Lord to illustrate the way all believers must come to him. In this passage, Jesus says that all who come to him must come as a little child, must come with that childlike faith. It's referring to that special characteristic that, that separates children from adults. Children are trusting. Children are humble. Children are dependent. And those are the requirements for a person to come to Jesus, whereas adults so often are, are they distrust and they, they're, they're proud and they are independent and they want nothing to do with, with the Lord. He says, if you're going to come to me, you must come like a child. And so the, the simple, the unvarnished faith of a child is seen uh, in so many ways. It's seen in this story. Uh, Celeste 
Sibley, one, a one-time columnist for the Atlanta Constitution. Uh, at one point, she had taken her three little children to a diner for breakfast one morning, and it was a very crowded uh, Saturday morning, and uh, they had to be separated. They had to sit at different seats, not next to each other, at the counter of that little, of that little cafe. Well, at the time, her eight-year-old daughter, Mary, was seated at the far end of the counter. And when her food finally came, uh, she called out to her mom in a very loud voice. And she said, Mom, don't these people say grace in this place? And a hush came over the counter. The entire diner got quiet. Before Miss Sibley could say anything, the man at the counter quickly said, Yes, we do. Sister, you can say it for us. So all the people at the counter bowed their heads, and Mary prayed a, 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 very, a very theologically sound prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Childlike faith is a very beautiful thing, and it is what is required. For a person to be saved, regardless of their age, they must be willing to humble themselves before God. They must be willing to lay down their pride over their life that they've lived and the achievements of that life. They must be humble enough to acknowledge their sins before God. They must be willing to admit that their works and their religious activities can never save them. And contrast this image of childlike faith with what we see here in the next part of chapter 19. And we see, the, we see here the, the rich young ruler and, and we see that he would not turn loose of his pride, of his money, of his self-righteousness. And he says, beginning in verse 16. And behold, one came and he said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith to him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, and, and lack I yet. And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He left with his possessions, but he left without Jesus. A person must look to Jesus by faith, and trust him and his finished work on the cross completely for their soul's salvation. This requires childlike qualities. It, it requires trust. It requires humility. It, it requires dependency. This is the only way anyone will receive salvation. But then lastly, we see a word about the Redeemer. The passage here not only speaks about responsibility and redemption, but it also has something to say about our Savior. Watching Jesus minister to these children, we get a glimpse of some aspects about our Lord's personality. First, we can see his heart. Look at verse 13. The disciples thought that Jesus was too busy for a bunch of little kids. But when the Bible says it brought unto him, it has the idea of a long line. A long line waiting to come to Jesus. 
parents from all over the area had brought their sh these children to Jesus so that he could pray for them and pronounce a blessing over them. And when the disciples rebuked the parents in verse 13, they were themselves then rebuked in verse 14. In Mark's account, the events, uh, it, it, it says that Jesus was much displeased. It means that Jesus was very angry with the disciples for trying to prevent these children from coming to him. Children hold a very special place in the heart of the Lord. In fact, in Matthew 18, 6, it reminds us that there is harsh judgment that awaits anyone who would abuse a child in any way. Jesus always defends the defenseless. And so this scene reveals a lot about Jesus. Children cannot serve him like older folks can. They cannot contribute very much money to the work of the church like other older folks can. But it appears to me that Jesus holds a very special place in his heart for children. He loves them and he reaches out to them in grace. It reminds us that God is not interested in what I can do in and of myself. But he's interested in having a relationship with me where I am. He simply invites us to come to him on the basis of pure grace. I don't have anything that I can lay out there and say, hey, this is why I deserve to be saved. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner who is now saved by grace and I've become a saint of God. And I praise the Lord for it. Jesus loves, loves lost sinners and he invites them all to come to him. But also in verse 15, we can see his hands. The verse says, and he laid his hands upon them. It indicates that, that he took these these children, he took the time with each of these individual children to bring them up and, and to place his hands upon them. No matter how young, no matter how insignificant the, the world may have looked at them as being, Jesus saw them with great significance. And he wanted to spend time with each of them. Never think for an instant that Jesus doesn't care intimately about you as an individual. He loves you and he will not turn you away if you will come to him by, by faith and place your trust in him no matter where the path of life has taken you no matter what you may have done no matter how insignificant that you may feel this morning Jesus Christ will save you and he will change your life if you will come to him he cares about your condition and he will take the time to touch your life if you will come to him by faith Regardless of whether you're saved or lost, regardless if you're young or old, Jesus cares about you as an individual. He cares about you. There are some young people in this room, and I have been praying for you for a very long time. Because I want you to be saved. As much as I love you, I cannot save you. You have to trust Christ. There's some older folks in here today. I can't save you either, and I've been praying for you, but only the Holy Spirit can work on your heart and life, and you must come to him. And so if today you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and saying, I'm scared of this or I'm shy about that, Jesus says, I love you. Just come. Stop putting it off. Come. Maybe this morning you want to come and you want to pray for your child or your grandchild. You want to pray for your classmate or your coworker or your neighbor. You come, you pray for them, that they would come with childlike faith and that they might be saved. Jesus loves little children, and that includes you. And he wants a relationship with you today. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, I thank you that you love us.
you love us with the love of a daddy for his children. And I pray for the young people of this church. I pray for the middle-aged people of this church. I pray for the senior adults in this church right now who are sitting here and they are lost and they know it. Lord, I pray that today the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin and causing them to recognize your great love and grace and today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, there are many that know you're talking directly to them. I'm going to get out of the way. Lord, you do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.